Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call.
issuing $500 million of new seven-year notes at 5% with net proceeds used to pay down bank debt, and we extended our existing bank credit facilities to a four-year term. John will provide more details later in the call. Finally, we have secured a market-leading supply of premium video content to deploy across all of our platforms this coming year, which was unveiled at our upfront just a few weeks ago. Over to slide four, and a look at our primetime fall schedule on global. Quite simply, it's one of the best schedules we've had in many years. This fall, global will feature 18 hours of simulcast premium network television content every week with an amazing lineup of new series and proven returning franchise hits. We are very excited about the long-awaited return of Survivor from Fiji. Now in its 41st season, this epic competition series has consistently delivered huge audiences, especially in the younger 18 to 34 demo. Gil Grissom and the original cast of characters from CSI Crime Scene Investigation return in the most talked about show of the season, CSI Vegas. Returning hits 911, NCIS, and FBI flank new franchise expansions, NCIS Hawaii, and FBI International. And The Equalizer, with Queen Latifah, the number one new drama on television this year, returns in the fall. These are just a few examples of our winning schedule. Over to slide five and our specialty lineup. This is our second year as the exclusive partner for Peacock Content in Canada, available on all chorus platforms. Bel Air, the timely, provocative, and big budget reimagining of the 90s sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel Air is now a one hour drama from executive producer Will Smith. The Lost Symbol takes us from page to screen based on the best selling third novel in Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code series. And the debut of high octane action comedy MacGruber, starring and executive produced by Will Forte. Over on W, we are ready to serve our passionate fan base the biggest lineup of Hallmark holiday movies ever this year with younger and more diverse stories and characters. Once again, we have Canada's favorite lifestyle shows, including the most watched show on HGTV in Canada over the last 10 years, Island of Brian, and the number one new Canadian hit show on HGTV Canada, Rock Solid Bills. Moving to slide six. Last month, our studio businesses unveiled exciting new production slates for the coming year. Let me provide a few highlights. First, Core Studios announced 21 dynamic lifestyle and unscripted titles, furthering our ambitions to become a much bigger content player globally. The slate consists of 13 returning shows, including HGTV Canada's blockbuster hit Island of Brian, which is back for a fourth season and sees the Bomber family build and run their resort in the Bahamas while adding on a whole new property in Florida. We can't wait to see their story continue. History's Rust Valley Restorers Season 4 and Big Timber Season 2 are also back with prior seasons of these popular shows licensed to Netflix for the international market. And lastly, we have hit our stride with third seasons of Food Network's popular competition shows, Great Chocolate Showdown, and Wall of Chefs as they find new audiences both inside and outside of Canada. Our eight exciting new series include, among others, Styled, Wall of Bakers, and Scott's own Vacation House Rules, starring Scott McGilvery. And we have just announced two additional green lights, expanding our Chorus Studio slate for the upcoming year to 23 titles. Excitement is building 
around the announcement of a new original series starring the one and only Pamela Anderson, as she returns to her roots on the coast of Vancouver Island to rebuild her family home with her new husband and local carpenter, Dan Hayhurst. Tentatively titled Pamela Anderson's Home Rental Project, this show is certain to be hotly contested in the international marketplace. Chorus Studios are creating value for our shareholders and our buyers alike as we purposely build multiple seasons of our most popular shows to create franchise IP. This quarter, we secured yet another sale to Discovery for the latest seasons of Island of Brian, retitled Renovation Island on HDTV in the U.S., as well as Scott's Vacation House Rules and The Big Bake. Over to slide seven. We currently have over 30 series in production or development at Nelvana, and this quarter we have greenlit five new shows, including Best Investor, Super Wish, and a second season of Agent Binky, Pets of the Universe. Two of our Nelvana shows were nominated for Emmys just yesterday, underscoring our investment in the creative development pipeline. One was our preschool hit show, Esme and Roy, and the second was the live action series, The Hardy Boys, which was picked up by Hulu in the US and will soon air on YTV in Canada in 2022. Our merchandise licensing business is poised to benefit from the reopening of retail stores around the world. Spin Master recently confirmed on their earnings call that Bakugan is back in the game now that pandemic-related restrictions are starting to lift. We are thrilled to see this great brand once again engage children with collectability and group play. Our content production and merchandising strategies not only drive audiences on our chorus networks, but they accelerate our international revenue growth, as once again evidenced in this quarter. Moving to slide eight. Chorus Television reaches 29 million Canadians every month, however and whenever they choose. Our strategy to build a diverse portfolio of digital streaming products remains a priority, generating new audiences and thus more advertising inventory and sales growth. When we look at Stack TV audiences, they're streaming the equivalent of 10 million episodes per month. Notably, almost half of the total Stack TV audience enjoys the experience of live television, which increases overall audience delivery and enhances our advertising revenues. At our upfront recently, we announced that dynamic advertising insertion for our video on demand viewers on Stack TV will arrive before the end of this calendar year. Once again, we are creating more digital advertising inventory and in turn more revenue. The new global TV app launched only 16 months ago, not only improves the value proposition for the subscribers to our channels business, it also offers us an opportunity to feature our premium video content online. There is an insatiable demand for premium digital video content from viewers and advertisers alike, and Chorus is there to meet it. Let me double click on the connected TV marketplace, which is a real opportunity for us. In addition to our existing connected TV platforms, Chromecast, Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV, we are thrilled to announce the Global TV app will also be available on Samsung later this year. Yet another example, of course, putting more content in more places. Usage of the Global TV app continues to grow, with just over 1.5 million unique video devices accessing content, up 17% over the prior year. In addition to a growing user base, total time spent has more than doubled, up 115% over the prior year, with almost 12 million hours viewed in Q3 alone. 
In large part, this growth in viewership is driven by more content, both free in front of the wall, available to all, and behind the wall, creating more value for the subscribers to our channel's business and premium digital video impressions for our advertisers. Whether it's Stack TV or the Global TV app or the next new digital product in our pipeline, Chorus is all over growth opportunities in the digital video marketplace. Moving to slide nine. Chorus has invested more than $50 million in transforming how we sell television since we acquired Shaw Media. Two of our strategic priorities, connect with audiences and help brands grow, are emblematic of our ambition to be a leader in the very important field of data-driven advanced advertising. Recently at our upfront and in partnership with Think TV, we announced the addition of seven new profiles to our industry-wide common audience segments. We now have 26 common audience segments in addition to our ability to build virtually any custom segment as desired by our advertisers. Chorus is at the forefront of changing how TV is sold, improving its targeting and driving results. With that, I'll now turn it over to John to discuss our Q3 results. John. Thanks, Doug, and good morning, everyone. I'll start on slide 10. This past April, we saw a compelling opportunity to access the credit markets and made the prudent decision to refinance a portion of our debt. We're extremely pleased with the depth and breadth of the response to our senior unsecured notes offering with $500 million of notes issued at 5% for a seven-year term. Subsequent to this, we used the net proceeds of our notes offering to pay down a portion of our bank debt and successfully amended and restated our bank credit facility. Our term loan tranches were combined into a single facility of just over $900 million, and along with our $300 million undrawn revolving facility, the maturity dates were extended to May 31st, 2025. This longer-term mix of funding sources provides diversity to our balance sheet and represents a return to our discipline of having fixed-rate long-term bonds as part of a purposefully laddered debt structure. We could not be more satisfied with the outcome and would like to extend an official welcome to our new fixed-income investors who are with us on today's call. This refinancing is a demonstrable step towards our long-term goal of increasing value for shareholders, and it reflects our firm commitment to operate with discipline, which is one of our key strategic priorities. In the third quarter, we made further progress on our new goal to get leverage below 2.5 times net debt to segment profit. We delivered $65 million of free cash flow in the quarter and have repaid $602 million in bank loans for the year to date, which includes the net proceeds of the $500 million notes issue. And that lets us achieve improvement in net segment, uh, sorry, net debt to segment profit to 2.82 times. This is down significantly from 3.18 times at the end of fiscal 2020 and 3.02 times at the end of Q2. I'd also like to quickly highlight this morning, we declared a dividend of six cents per share for class B shareholders payable in September, 2021. Now over to slide 11 and a review of our third quarter consolidated results. As Doug mentioned earlier, Chorus's consolidated revenue is $403 million for the quarter, and that's up a whopping 15% over the prior year. This is what we meant by spring forward into growth. Consolidated segment profit of $131 million for the quarter benefited from the top-line growth and was up a significant 17% versus the prior year. The current year quarter benefited from estimated government wage subsidy and regulatory relief of approximately $5 million, and that's compared to approximately $17 million a year ago. This was offset by the $6 million impact of a stronger share price on share-based compensation expense. Moving forward, we do not anticipate receiving further meaningful wage subsidy benefits. We delivered consolidated segment profit margins of 32% for the quarter, and that was consistent with last year. 
Net income attributable to shareholders for the quarter was $41 million or 20 cents per share basic. Our free cash flow of $65 million was down from $91 million in the prior year quarter. And as a reminder, the prior year quarter benefited from government relief measures, including the cash income tax installment holiday, which had a $22 million impact year over year, as well as lower programming rights payments and higher working capital contributions. Now, let's turn to our TV results for the third quarter, and that's detailed on slide 12. Overall, TV segment revenues were up 15% from the prior year, and that was driven by a 22% increase in TV advertising revenue. <clears throat> That's an excellent result, reflecting an impressive advertising revenue recovery during the third wave lockdown. Our networks and sales teams were once again able to successfully balance rating supply with advertising demand to ma maximize the value of our inventory. With our successful upfront revealed, our teams are fully focused on monetizing our strong summer and fall schedules with a head start compared to last year's pandemic delays. The runaway growth on Stack TV and Nick Plus really shines through in our third quarter, driving a notable 2% increase in subscriber revenues. We're making significant strides in growing this important recurring revenue as awareness of and interest in our streaming platforms build. For the fourth consecutive quarter, we've delivered strong double-digit gains in merchandising, distribution, and other revenues, up 21% this quarter. This was driven by a rebound in Novana merchandise licensing, including Bakugan, and Kids Can Press book publishing sales, as well as strong animation software sales at Toon Boom. As a reminder, the prior year's third and fourth quarters included a large sale of Core Studios content to Discovery's flagship networks in the U.S., HGTV, and Food Network. TV expenses in the third quarter increased by 11% over the prior year as program deliveries normalized compared to delayed deliveries in the prior year with the widespread pandemic-related production hiatus. Direct cost of sales increased 8% from the prior year, and that reflects higher program rights amortization and other costs of sales, partially offset by decreased film investment amortization. Our increased G&A expenses primarily reflect reduced wage subsidy benefits of almost $4 million compared to $14 million in the prior year quarter, as well as increased variable compensation costs commensurate with the revenue improvement. This quarter marks the beginning of a necessary path to return course to a more normalized cost structure. We continue to tightly manage discretionary spending as a partial offset to these returning costs. Overall, TV segment profit increased 21% in the third quarter as increased revenues outpaced the expense normalization. TV segment profit margins were 37%, and that's up from 35% in the prior year. Our new platform revenue and optimized advertising revenue performance metrics once again highlight the benefits of our revenue diversification strategy, as you can see on slide 13. Our team remains highly focused on the pursuit of attractive growth opportunities in streaming, digital, and video advertising, and the automation of advanced advertising initiatives. We are gaining meaningful traction. New platform revenues were approximately 8% of TV advertising and subscriber revenues in the quarter, and that was a material increase from 5% in the prior year quarter. This incredible growth of 82% over last year highlights our continued progress in driving new sources of revenue as we further build our connections with audience wherever they are. Optimized advertising revenues, which reflect our progress in transforming how we sell television advertising, represented approximately 38% of total TV advertising revenue in the third quarter, and that was a huge increase from 28% last year and 22%, sorry, 28% last quarter and 22% in the prior year. To put this in perspective, the result reflects 111% growth year over year. Next. Let's turn to our radio results as outlined on slide 14. It was great to see growth 
in the radio segment revenues this quarter as we delivered a 31% increase. The broad improvement across key advertising categories is encouraging and demonstrates the resilience of our team. Radio continues to be disproportionately impacted by the pandemic-related restrictions on local businesses, but we are significantly outperforming the market. We have used this time to strengthen our rank position in several key markets and are well positioned for recovery as businesses reopen. In addition, we are seeing ongoing growth in hours streamed across our music and news stations. Radio segment profit increased to $1.3 million in the quarter, and that was driven by the revenue improvements as we continue to navigate the challenging market conditions. Segment profit margin of 6% was up from negative 10% in the prior year as we continue to diligently manage costs during the recovery. Q3 represents an important milestone on our, record, our road to a new normal. The growth across all of our revenue streams this quarter provides an excellent start to our spring forward chapter. We are excited for the future and committed to advancing our plan to deliver consolidated revenue growth year over year over year. And with that, I'll turn it back to Doug. Thank you, John. Finally, over to slide 15. As I reflect on this past year, I could not be more proud of nor impressed by our team. We have not only adeptly navigated the business through this most challenging environment, we have also positioned the company to come out of the pandemic on a stronger strategic footing, as was our stated objective. We have confidence in our plan to deliver consolidated revenue growth year over year over year, and this quarter's results have hit the mark. Everything is working. We are especially excited about the year ahead. Global has the best fall schedule in many years with 18 hours of simulcast premium network television content and a perfect balance of returning hit franchises and exciting new shows. Our sales team benefiting from a head start when compared to the timing of our upfront last year has been booking a ton of business these last weeks. Well done, team. And as of yesterday, 77% of Canadians over the age of 12 have received at least their first vaccine with 32% now fully vaccinated. Restrictions are slowly lifting as Canada gets back to business. Canadians have over $100 billion of available savings to be put to work once governments provide the all clear. Chorus will be there for our advertisers as they spring forward with us. Our streaming business is on fire and will start burning hotter still. A new season of Rick and Morty has just launched driving new interest in stack TV from that coveted younger demographic. We cannot help but marvel how far we have come in only two years with our many digital video strategies at Chorus. We are increasing the value of our content business for our shareholders through the creation of multiple seasons of hit shows to serve our networks in Canada, to benefit our international buyers, and to create intellectual property franchises. June marks a major milestone for Nelvana as we celebrate its incredible 50 years as a globally recognized producer, developer, and licensor of award-winning children's animated and live-action content. From its humble beginnings in Canada in 1971, Nelvana has produced well over 4,800 episodes of programming airing in over 180 countries around the world and earning over 70 major international awards, including multiple Emmys, with perhaps more to come, given yesterday's nomination. Happy anniversary, Nelvana. Of course, we are disciplined allocators of capital, and this was once again on full display this quarter as we successfully diversified our sources of financing, delivered solid free cash flow, 
and increased our financial flexibility. Chorus represents a compelling investment with a multiple of under six times, a free cash flow yield of almost 25%, and an attractive dividend yield of 4%. Our shareholders will benefit both from the reopening of the economy, our disciplined capital allocation policy, and our commitment to deliver consolidated revenue growth in the years ahead. Throughout the COVID pandemic, Chorus has demonstrated a commitment to protect the health of our people and ensure the continuity of our business as we meet the needs of all our stakeholders and support our communities. Last year, we helped raise $21.6 million for over 500 charitable organizations across Canada. This year, in our third quarter, through the efforts of our Chorus Cares initiatives, our teams helped raise $4.4 million for 344 community initiatives and provided 2,400 volunteer hours to local organizations across Canada. We are using the power of our portfolio for good and could not be more pleased with our team's dedication and passion for serving our local communities. In the coming months, as COVID restrictions ease, we are taking our learnings from the pandemic, along with extensive input from our people, to create an even better place to work for the future. As always, we will place the well-being and engagement of our people and the long-term sustainability of our business as, top, as our top priorities, building a strengthened, purpose-led organization focused on delivering strong execution against our strategic and financial priorities. Over to you, operator. And as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press the star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. One moment, please, for our first question. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Our first question comes from the line of Drew McReynolds from RBC. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, and, and good morning, uh, Doug and John. Um, I, I guess being first in the queue, I'd, I'll ask about uh, TV pacing in Q4, but, but, but more broadly, as we look at post-lockdown dynamics, uh, how do we kind of look at Q4 and Q1 in terms of, you know, ad categories that you expect to, uh, to come back? Uh, maybe some may wane. Um, how do you see audiences kind of through the summer into the fall as, you know, people start traveling again? Uh, and then second question on TV margins when we look into fiscal 2022, I guess for you, John, I, I know a ton of puts and takes and moving parts, but, you know, is there anything you can kind of help us square off, um, you know, what, what that looks like uh, perhaps relative to fiscal 21 or, or perhaps even pre-COVID uh, fiscal uh, 2019? 
Thank you. Thank you, Drew. I'll take the first one. John, take the second. Um, listen, we're we're thrilled with the momentum uh, in the advertising pacing at the moment, uh, and we have no reason to believe it won't continue going forward. Uh, you know, Q4 was a stronger quarter relative to Q3 last year, so you know uh, it's a bit of a higher hurdle on a comp basis. Um, but the reference I would draw you to is international markets, Drew. I mean, you just, just we're we're lagging behind in Canada, which in some ways for your models gives you know, all of you a chance to look at UK, look at look at US, look at Australia. Um, and those markets, uh, well, some of, some of them have recent setbacks, but those markets have had you know pretty strong returns. I mean, let, let's take the entertainment category one example. You know, Fast and Furious Nine just did seventy million dollars at the box office last weekend. That's the highest box office performance in the U.S. since the Star Wars release in December of nineteen. So that portends you know a return of theatrical marketing, right? At the end of the day, despite all the the conversations about, you know, releasing movies on streaming platforms, all of the big budget tent poles are with talent that is paid on gross points. So, I mean, these studios will release aggressively theatrical movies and market them aggressively. Uh, in fact, you know, in the, in the fall, I know in Canada, you know, uh, as we get the all clear, there's a really strong schedule of big tent pole releases coming, and that will bring with it advertising investment. So I think uh, you know, in areas like travel, accommodation, direct-to-consumer travel, that's still, uh, like, like Expedia Travago, that's still sort of uh, clearly dependent upon, you know, getting the airlines working again in Canada. We're not there yet. In the U.S., there, there, there's so much demand, they, they, you know, they've got supply and capacity constraints. So, so, you know, I think we have every reason to expect tailwinds, you know, for the number of quarters ahead uh, as, you know, not only do Canadians, you know, get back to some degree of the next normal um, but also as companies, you know, invest to take advantage of both positioning their brands in the front of consumers once they're coming back to economic activity uh, and to take advantage of all this dry powder that's sitting out there to be spent. So and, and then the, I guess the, the, the third thing I'd note, uh, we're coming into this with a great position given our schedule. So, you know, we'll be able to uh, serve our advertisers as Canadians watch our great shows. Um, John? Thanks, Doug. Drew, on the margins, I know it's a, a question you um, you like to ask pretty consistently. So, you know, obviously, as Doug has just mentioned, there's some pretty good revenue uh, tailwinds coming, uh, and, you know, that's into Q4 and then in, into Q1. Uh, in terms of, you know, what might normalize on the expense line, a couple things. One is, as I said, we're out of wage subsidy now for the most part. So that has been almost $13 million this year that we won't see next year. Uh, and the second one would be programming costs. You know, we ran pretty light on programming in the first half of the year. We're catching up now in Q3. So, you know, we'll likely be looking pretty flat in 21 on that line compared to 20. And, of course, you know, both of those years were pandemic impacted. So you can and, and should expect some increases in programming costs as we get into kind of a more normal year in, in 22, especially in Q1 as we've got the full slate that Doug just mentioned. So those are kind of the moving pieces. It's a little early to tell. Uh, you know, the upfront was just a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, so far so good. I think we're feeling pretty good. And, um, you know, uh, but I say, as I say, at this point, it's just a little bit early. And, and okay. Drew, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't address your, uh, your ratings over the summer questions. I'll do that now. Um, 
And I say, you know, let's put it this way. Um, you know, we know the Olympics are coming. Um, we know that the Canadians are in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, you know, that's bringing people back to television from streaming. That's a good thing for people viewing television in aggregate. Um, you know, we feel really good about our, our summer schedule, but, you know, the, the, the big money's in Q1. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's hard really to predict uh, kind of the audience delivery over the summer, given this most unusual pandemic and, and such. But uh, the return of sports in, in aggregate helps the overall television viewing universe, which is a positive sign. And our schedule has been, has been designed to accommodate, you know, for the Olympics. And then lastly, and John mentioned this in his remarks about, you know, matching demand with supply. One of the brilliant uh, outcomes of our Peacock deal is that that content can be deployed on whatever platform has the most demand, whether or not that's digital, which is going like crazy, or, uh, or on traditional channels business, uh, if there's demand there. But we have a lot of flexibility to kind of position uh, great shows and thus uh, impressions if there's demand and audience. That's great. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Adam Schein from National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Uh, thanks a lot. Good morning. Uh, Doug, maybe you could start with uh, just, you know, reflecting on some of the step-up function that you saw in optimized advertising revenue. Uh, it was certainly a big jump from the prior pacing. Sure. I mean, um, Thrilled with, uh, you know, the growth of the business, 38%, you know, of total now. That's up 82% over the same quarter last year. Uh, you know, every agency and most advertisers of ours are participating in uh, the targeting uh, and in the automation. Uh, and what we're seeing is that the, the more that they participate in the optimized advertising experience, the more investment they further and follow up with. So, there definitely is, uh, we're moving past trial now into adoption. Um, and, you know, we continue to make uh, investments, Adam, in this very important part of our business strategy, which is to, you know, improve targeting, improve automation, um, and continue to be data-driven uh, in terms of how we serve the demands of our advertisers. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled with the 38% metric uh, this quarter. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to continue to keep the pedal down. Um, just in regards to pacing, I mean, you, you guys, I think, did a pretty good job tamping down some of the year-over-year expectations going into Q3. Obviously, you know, you got your growth, but it wasn't quite as good as it could have been given, you know, the context of evolving government restrictions. But we think about the move into the second half of the year, particularly into that seasonally important sort of September uh, into November timeframe, um, do we start thinking about sort of unused marketing dollars from H1 manifesting themselves a lot more significantly in the back half of the year? Or do we need to, you know, temper our expectations a little bit just in regards to how marketing budgets may evolve during the course of this year? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I uh, From the conversations that we've been having with uh, CMOs and agencies, uh, I would say there's a general, there's a, there's a, a strong sense of, I would say, confidence and positiveness about the fall season, um, the spending, the consumer return season. Uh, I think the other thing I would offer is that there's a lot of brands that, that want to get back uh, in front of consumers that, you know, that when that they're, you know, retail uh, 
dining, multi-unit dining, you know, operations. I mentioned theatrical earlier, uh, you know, travel and accommodations, hotel, um, all of those segments, um, you know, have dollars that, as you rightly note, you know, have been kind of, you know, held off from investing because they couldn't go to work. But now they will be able to, as the government gives us permission, open up and return. So those dollars will flow back. You know, will they? You know, will we get back what we missed in the pandemic? I mean, it's a little, it's a little economic haircut theory, right? If you if you don't get a haircut for six months, you're going to get six haircuts each week going forward. Probably not. But I do believe that there is um, a lot of demand out there, and again, you're seeing it in other markets. So um, uh, whether or not it's you know the H1 shifting into H2 or not, I would say that there's every signal out there that investment is coming. I, and just um, quickly on, sorry, go ahead, sorry. Chuck. Just as an example of that uh, kind of phenomenon, we did see that in December last year. So in, in Q2 for us, December was a, a big growth month. Um, as I think really what you were describing did happen, and it wasn't just on sports because we certainly got a, a big piece of it as well, and it, it happened across the industry. So I, th I think there's an ability for that to happen. Uh, it's, it's just hard to know how much people are holding back right now. And Adam, quickly, we have we have you know almost you know we have almost 400 advertisers uh, on the the audience segment selling now. And all and 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 about half that much using the automated platform since so that and that's up significantly you know and that, so there, there there is a there's there's real momentum building in the uptake of our of our uh, targeting and automation product. Yeah, I think that's very evident in this particular quarter. Just just lastly, quickly on Stack TV and, and Nick, obviously we're seeing some real you know evolving traction. Is it still sort of a an eighty? 20 split in regards to the two streamers? Yeah, that's about right. Okay, I'll leave it there. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Adam. Our next question comes from the line of Arvinda Galapatic from Canaccord. Your line is open. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking uh, my questions. Um, I'll start with two. Um, Two headline questions. Um, first of all, uh, John, on the uh, programming cost, I was wondering if you can give me uh, give us a little bit more color on how you see that shaping up. Obviously, Q3 was up year over year, but not dramatically. So, um, maybe just any kind of uh, assistance you can give us in terms of how that'll kind of shape up uh, into Q4 and early 22. Um, and then, you know, on uh, on the uh, the the you know. Nelvana and Core Studios, the other revenue component, uh, you know, we're seeing some pretty good consistency now in terms of uh, top-line growth. Um, is there any, um, you know, first of all, can you kind of give us a sense of the outlook uh, going forward? And secondly, uh, would you, uh, are you at a stage where you're considering uh, breaking that out uh, to perhaps sort of, uh, you know, uh, to, to make the value a little bit more evident there? I'll let sure, John take the first one. Yeah, I'll take the second one. John? Okay. So, Urban, on, on programming, um, you know, this has been a bit of a moving target all year, as you can imagine, especially with the way the first half turned out. Uh, you're right, we're up a little bit in Q3. I think we'll be up a little bit again in Q4. And I'd say right now a, a good kind of assumption on programming for the full year of 21 is it'll be down slightly over 20. 
Uh, and then going forward, as I mentioned, you know, Q1 is going to have the full global schedule, uh, you know, at, at normal kind of timing. So, you know, expect Q1 to have a, a pretty significant increase in programming, uh, just, you know, given that that's that, the pay-per-play model. So as, as we get those deliveries, we will be picking those up and extending them right away. So that's really the, the view on programming at this point. Uh, I think we've been a little surprised that it's continued to run uh, at the at the lower levels right now, but that is going to pick up. And, and the good news about that is it's going to pick up to provide inventory and audiences when there's a ton of demand coming. So that's you know the, that's precisely when you want to have that investment in the books. On um, on the content segment, yes, yeah, so uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, the teams have been, you know, putting some big numbers up the last four quarters. Uh, we expect that to continue. We have a tough comp in, the, in this fourth quarter, uh, which the team's working to, to address. Um, but, you know, the, the comment I really wanted to make sure that people heard was a, few, a couple of comments, actually. The first is multiple, season creates, multiple seasons of hit shows creates franchise IP. Uh, and it increases the value for our buyers, whether or not they're streamers or broadcasters or both internationally. When, when this is where Chorus has our Chorus advantage, and it's a distinction that very few other companies have, except for the big majors, and that is that we control the green light. So, to the extent to which the shows are working on our networks, we can keep making them. And the more of seasons we make, the more follow-on sales we get. Witness the Discovery uh, US HGTV second season sale of Island O'Brien, now titled Renovation Island for them. So it really begins this flywheel of, of high-margin content. Um, uh, and so controlling the green light and making multiple seasons of hit shows is really uh, a strong uh, and lucrative strategy. Um, and, uh, and as for continued growth, uh, I expect the same. Um, you know, the, the, there will be uh, volatile quarters, Adam, as you know well. Um, you know, it, it doesn't go up in a straight line on the content business, despite the impressive results of the last four quarters. But the, the team is hitting it on all marks, and much of what's happening here is the result of a, an increase in our development investment a couple of years ago. Strategically, we decided to put more dollars in the development funnel, so there were more projects at, at better you know states of development, um, so we could you know add new content. We're thrilled about this Pamela Anderson project. It's going to be a very very exciting and, and hot show. Um, and that's just an example of making those creative development investments. So net, net, multiple seasons, build franchise IP and margin, um, and then we're continuing to really invest in creative and development. Thanks, Doug. And, um, you know, I wanted to give you a chance to also comment on uh, sort of the discovery uh, time Warner, uh, Warner Media uh, transaction. Uh, obviously, you have a fairly good relationship on the discovery front. Um, you know, does that sort of merger maybe create some worries for you down the road or you do you feel comfortable that the, the the you know the current programming arrangements would sort of hold you know given the equity positions they have uh, on some of the uh, with respect to some of the channels as well yeah no i'm not worried about it it's i think it's a it's another example of the importance of consolidation um in you know in in this space uh, we do have joint venture uh, relationships with uh, many of our partners in the u.s including discovery um, and, you know, as I said uh, many times before, Canada is a very lucrative licensing market and these companies, you know, they, they have to balance their ambitions to grow streaming with their desires to hit their quarterly results on both earnings and cash flow. Uh, and because of Canada's unique market structure, again, that we've discussed this before, Arvinda, 
Um, you know, we're 73% of Canadians still enjoy the channels business. You know, uh, the penetration of the channels business is, you know, almost 100% in Canada, should you desire to have a subscription to the channels business. And that's a very, and it's a regulated market um, with simulcast. So the economics in this market really provide us a chance to work in concert with these big majors to ensure that, you know, we're able to access the content we need um, uh, and pursue our strategies. Uh, and, and then we always have conversations depending on which way each partner is going and no partner is the same, I'll tell you, um, in terms of their ambitions for streaming. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways that we can work in concert or not with them depending on what they choose to do. So I would just say, um, it's a lucrative licensing market, which is valued by our, our international global partners. Um, we have a resilient uh, channels business in Canada, uh, and Chorus is acknowledged as being very innovative in our pursuit of digital video audiences. So in many cases, you know, they're reaching out to us to get our opinion on, on strategy. So I, I, I think it's kind of really business as usual, even though there's lots of developments out there. You know, we're not confused about the disruptive marketplace, um, but we're also confident in our position in it. Great. Thank you very much. That's our last slide. Thanks, Ravinda. And our next question coming from the line of Jeff Fan of Scotiabank. Your line is open. Hi. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, John. Um, I just want to follow up on the comment made earlier about uh, balancing the supply and demand um, for related to your ad inventory. Um, What's your outlook for CPM? Could that be a pretty big driver, especially in the near term, given given where supply is and given some of the reopening, especially in the service sector? Just want to get your thoughts there. And then the other question is related to your new platform revenue mix. Um, it's at 8% now. Looks like it's uh, stable from quarter to quarter. Wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, you know, identifying the, the key initiatives, maybe the top few that's going to really drive that percentage up, and whether you have any kind of long-term milestones that you want to share with us with respect to where that percentage should be over uh, over multiple years. Um, thanks. Okay, um, just on the on the on the new platform. Actually, let me do the CPM one first, and John and I can do the new platform together. Um, on the CPM, I mean, I'm sure you've been reading the the trades for the U.S., Jeff, because I know you studied that. Um, you know, let's just say that everybody is holding out for the highest CPMs that we can get, uh, to the extent to which, you know, CEOs of media companies are getting phone calls from CEOs of consumer packaged good companies yelling at them. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's important that the television recognizes um, you know, it's a very important role in the media mix and, you know, we stand our ground on price. So uh, I'm not going to give you any specific CPM, you know, numbers, um, but I can reassure you that, you know, we share your, you know, the, the insight in your question is that, is there a chance to get price in here? Absolutely. We're going to dig in. We know we've got, you know, some fantastic uh, schedules in the fall and it gives us, I think, a real opportunity. Uh, but it's always it's always a bit of a, a balancing act, right? Because you got to manage sellout, you got to manage everything else along the way. So so that's my first comment. New platform revenues. And I invite John to color in anything here that I may have missed. 
you know, that is a top priority of us. And maybe, John, you can you can speak to the 8% sort of calculation in the quarter because that, that's a little bit dependent upon the ad recovery. But from a strategic perspective, you know, we continue to invest a lot of time, energy, and thinking into, you know, how big is big on Stag TV, how big is big on global TV app, what other opportunities do we have, um, you know, to pursue other avenues I've alluded to in, our, in my comments um the in front of the wall available to all opportunities, which we think is a real lane uh, for us to consider uh, pursuing. That 8% we think will be double digits, uh, you know, in the next print, um, uh, in part because it's a smaller quarter at all, and, and the mix of, of sub versus ad is different. Um, but, I, but it doesn't mean I wasn't thrilled with the result in this quarter. I think it was up 112% year over year in the same quarter on the dig, on that, that uh, absolute dollars metric. So. Um, rest assured that it's a prime focus of ours. Look at the the total subscriber number print this quarter. I mean, that's that you know the the, the slow decline we're seeing in the channels business is being offset and then some by the pursuit of these digital video subscribers. John, anything to add on that? No, I think you've covered that well. It, it's it's really about the the high demand Q3 on advertising. Uh, I, I sort of I wrote down stable, Jeff, when you said that because. You know, we're up 82% year over year. I'll, I'll get you a sequential uh, increase number as well from Q2 because it is growing quite rapidly. So that 8% uh, sort of masks the, the growth just because of the way it's calculated on, uh, you know, on a much bigger denominator in Q3 and then in Q1 as well. It'll be the same. Jeff, you might want to think about, you know, it'll, it'll step up in low demand quarters and it'll hold, it'll hold in the high demand quarters, probably how you can think about modeling it. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And maybe in, uh, just a follow-on strategic question, um, you know, your, your, your balance sheet is in pretty good shape. Um, you got the, the debt deal done. Um, is there anything strategic that you think would be a good use of excess cash um, to maybe accelerate some of these very important areas? Um, I want to just give your thoughts there. Yeah, well, um, we're, first of all, we're – we're just delighted with the, the refinancing in the quarter. That was a, you know, that, that's a, a, a seminal moment for the company in terms of having the right ladder debt structure versus just a big term facility. Uh, although we, you know, we're, we, we're very, we, we love our bank friends, of course, but it's, not, it's nice to kind of diversify our, our, our debt balance sheet structure. Um, you know, we're going to continue to invest organically. That's one of the things, you know, in the capital allocation conversation that we've been really focused on is, is encouraging and challenging our team to come back with ideas for growth. You know, an example that we're, you know, thrilled with, although we haven't talked on this call about because it's still sort of germinating, is our development investment with Duncan Studios in Los Angeles. We've, a couple, we've got a couple of feature film projects there that, you know, are coming along really quickly. Um, and so that sets up an opportunity, we think, for sort of a new, a, a new line of business on the content side of the equation. Um, you know, uh, embedded in your question, I think you're probably thinking about M&A. Um, you know, I would say that selective small tuck-in strategic M&A is, is, is a consideration. Nothing big. Um, you know, we, we, we don't have any interest at all in, in a big swing. Uh, we believe that we can execute organically uh, without having to take any more risk. Um, uh, we still believe that there is a lot of great ideas that our team is bringing us that we can invest in. So, uh, and as far as you know, other financial um, opportunities, share buybacks, uh, dividend hikes, uh, and, and deleveraging, our bias is going to remain um, to get towards that 2.5 times net debt to segment profit. 
that's sort of the sweet spot, um, uh, which should come relatively soon. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, we'll just continue to execute the strategy. Thank you both. Thank you, Jeff. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, simply press a star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from the line of David McFadgen from Cormark Securities. Your line is open. Uh, yeah, um, two questions. Um, first of all, I was wondering if you could comment on your upfront market. You know, when you read the trade press down in the U.S., they talk about actually CPM increases and you know, amount of business being booked. And I was wondering if you can give us any color on that for your upfront. And then secondly, you know, when we look at the optimized ad revenues up to 38% in this quarter. I was wondering what's really driving that? Is that Cinch or is that ABB or what's the combination there that's, that's really driving that, that number up? Thanks. Hey, David, I'll, I'll go back to front on that question. Um, what's driving the 38% is, significant increases in participation on behalf of advertisers and agencies in both the audience-based buying or, you know, linear optimization, that's one and the same definitionally. Um, uh, and and uh, in addition, a significant portion of those uh, audience-based buyers are also using Sense the automated platform. So, you know, as I said earlier, we're, we're moving beyond the trial phase into the wholesale adoption phase. And that is precisely you know, where we want to be um, because we're getting people that are seeing the results of what we're able to provide from a targeting and automation perspective. On the, um, on the CPM piece, you know, all I can say, without, I'm not gonna give you numbers or anything metric wise, but it, what you saw and heard of in the US is basically what we're seeing and experiencing now here in Canada, all of the broadcasters in Canada uh, everybody's, everybody's, you know, uh, going after CPMs, getting price, holding their ground. Um, there's a ton of demand for television, uh, and uh, you know, we're super pleased with the momentum. I mean, it's, it's been a very, very strong upfront for us this year. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And there are no further questions at this time. I would like to turn it back to Mr. Doug Murphy for the closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us today on our uh, Q3 results. Uh, always uh, great to hear from you and from your questions. Please feel free to reach out to us and follow up with anything you may have. And in the meantime, have a happy Canada Day. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.